CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. It's Thursday, September 29th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. We got some very good news from a late-stage clinical trial for a drug that slowed down the progression of Alzheimer's. Biogen, an A-sized drug, was able to slow down the cognitive decline in participants by 27% compared to those that received placebos. The drug does not restore mental capacity or totally stop it, but it works by clearing out the buildup of amyloid, a toxic protein that affects the brain. Robert Langrith, science and health reporter at Bloomberg News, joins us for What to Know. Next, the big space news for Monday was NASA's successful DART mission, the first planetary defense test. For this test, NASA flew an unmanned spacecraft right into an asteroid to see if the impact could disrupt its orbit. It will still take some weeks for more complete data, but for now, it worked. Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios, joins us for more. Finally, when COVID-19 vaccines were first rolled out, many women were complaining about a strange side effect. They said it was messing with their menstrual cycles. Turns out, it was true. In a study of nearly 20,000 people, and with data from a popular period tracking app, Researchers found that on average, vaccinated women experienced a one-day delay in getting their periods, but it was only temporary. Amanda Morris, disability reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for What the Research Says. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Now, this is not a miracle cure. It does not halt the disease. We're talking about a 27% slowing of the rate of decline. So you're still, if you get this drug, you're still declining. But, you know, it's a start and they're going to apply for FDA approval. Joining us now is Robert Langrith, science and health reporter at Bloomberg News. Thanks for joining us, Robert. Hi. Well, we got some very interesting news out of a late stage clinical trial for an Alzheimer's drug. It showed that uh, some significant slowing of the cognitive decline in the people that were participating in all this. They said that it was reduced by 27% compared with the group who received a placebo in this clinical trial. Now, this is some amazing news. This is some of the most impactful news with regards to Alzheimer's in a long time. So, Robert, tell us a little bit more about this uh, clinical trial and the drug itself. Yeah. So, drug companies have been trying to come up with a drug that might slow the course of Alzheimer's disease for decades. And they've had very, very little success in doing it. This has been a long history of failed trials, of trials that showed mixed results or even contradictory results. So it's been you know, a very tough, tough field to be in. And so one of the main theories they've been pursuing is the buildup of this toxic protein in the brain to Alzheimer's patients called amyloid. And they've been working on drugs, that, uh, including antibodies, to remove amyloid from the brain to patients. Now, in the past, many trials of these amyloid-lowering drugs have failed. They failed to show a clear effect. 
And so one of the drugs in the past from Biogen called Agilm even made it to the U.S. market. But because of the controversy over whether it was effective or not, basically the federal Medicare program has essentially refused to cover it. So it's been a commercial failure. So that's kind of the atmosphere this kind of result comes in. This result is from a Japanese company called Asai, a Japanese drug company. You probably haven't heard of that company, but Asai is a company that invented one of the first Alzheimer's drugs, and that's a pill called Aricept that was marketed in the United States. It's a pill that helps with symptoms but doesn't slow the disease. So ever since then, this company in Japan has been working on coming up with a better Alzheimer's drug, one that actually slowed the disease. And so what they did differently in this trial was they they ran just a gigantic trial. There was almost 1,800 patients in this trial. And knowing that the effects are going to be modest in this trial, they didn't stop it short. They kind of ran it to the end. They were very patient and took their time for the first time they've gotten a, a positive result in a phase three trial of a disease slowing drug for Alzheimer's. It's now this is not a miracle cure. It does not halt the disease. We're talking about a 27% slowing of the rate of decline. So you're still, if you get this drug, you're still declining. But you know, it's a start and they're going to apply for FDA approval. You know, with a drug like this, this could be a multi-billion dollar thing that could happen to the industry. And these companies, ASI and Biogen, they're partners on this one. You know, their shares rose. There's a couple of other companies that are working on similar type things. Shares in those companies also rose. So there's a lot of hype behind it right now. Uh, yeah, so there there are other you know companies working on similar drugs, and there's two other drugs, two other companies that are supposed to get final stage results within the next year. There's a Swiss drug company, Roche. Uh, they have a, a similar drug in phase three trials, and they are supposed to get the results of their phase three trials in the next month or so. And then there's an American company, Eli Lilly, based in Indianapolis, that also has a similar drug in the final stage of trials, and it's supposed to get uh, its results, I think, sometime in the middle of next year. And what these drugs are very similar to the A-side drug, and so it'll give a sense to us, uh, you know, is there something special and different about the A-side drug, or, you know, does this general mechanism work in general? So, so the uh, the results of the other other trials are also going to be important. How reproducible is it and how significant a benefit is it? Do we have any knowledge of how much this new drug, this course of treatment would be costing? Because they even said that the strength of the data that they were getting on this, you know, raises the chances that uh, Medicare would cover it, too. So that means that that could be some really good news there. Basically, everyone thinks that, you know, all we have right now, first of all, is a press release from the companies. We don't have any of the data has not yet been published in any scientific journal, and they're not going to present it at a scientific meeting until November 29th. That's a meeting in San Francisco. So we don't really have many details now, and we're kind of relying uh, that the companies, you know, presented, you know, correct information in the press release. And so, you know, we don't know a lot, but, uh, you know, everyone seems to agree that if this data holds up, this will be enough for FDA approval everyone that we've talked to. The question is, is it going to be enough to gain like full coverage from Medicare? And so Medicare, you know, when it came out as ruling at Agilhelm, it said like one of the things that it wanted to see was, you know, not just data showing that a drug could say suck amyloid out of the brains of patients, which is a nice thing to do. It makes your brain scan look better. But, you know, you know, no one with Alzheimer's comes in to make their brain scan look better. You know, they, they want the decline to, to stop or at least to slow down. That's what they're trying to get. So Medicare made it very clear they wanted to see big trial, you know, showing that the actual cognitive decline could be slowed, clearly, in a, in a, in a wide group of patients. One, one of the things that ASI is indicating is that 25% of the people in their trial were either Hispanic or Black, 
And so that's an improvement upon previous uh, trials of Altamus drugs, which have been heavily skewed towards the white population. So they've been really, been, in the past, they've really been criticized for not having any diversity representation in the trials. And this trial, they made a bet, an effort, got a broader set of patients in the trial. So that should help. That's something Medicare probably wants to see. Robert Langrith, science and health reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. We got it. Waiting. And we have impact. A giant leap for humanity in the name of planetary defense. Joining us now is Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Miriam. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, on Monday, we had huge space news as NASA's DART mission hit an asteroid. This was the first ever planetary defense test. So they picked an asteroid way out there. It wasn't on a collision course with Earth at all, but they wanted to see if crashing something into it could push it off its trajectory. And, uh, you know, any little bit counts. And, you know, if it gets pushed off, you know, in the case of if it was going to hit the Earth, it could save us all from there. So we had this big test. Uh, There was cameras equipped on the spacecraft. And I got to say, I was watching this live. It was amazing to see at the last few moments how detailed that asteroid looked. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, just seeing like that scattering of boulders like come into relief is pretty amazing. Yeah, because it started off as a, as a pixel, really, like just a white dot in a black background. And, you know, as you got closer to it, you know, it became this very clear rock. So tell us a little bit more about this mission, why NASA decided to go through with something like this. So it's really sort of the best insurance policy, I think. So NASA has been kind of in the planetary defense business for a long time. Like they track potentially dangerous asteroids and comets that come relatively close to Earth. Just keeping an eye on things to make sure that, you know, nothing is going to surprise us or or head our way that we're not prepared for. And part of being prepared is actually figuring out how to potentially deflect an asteroid if one is found on a collision course with Earth. And that's really what this entire mission was about. It's basically an attempt to kind of use this technology demonstration, to use this test using the, the DART spacecraft to slam into this tiny asteroid, see if they can move it to the degree that they want to. Uh, and then if they need to eventually scale up that technology if there is some larger threat headed toward Earth at some point that they need to take care of. Yeah, the asteroid's name was Dimorphos. They were estimating that this impact would really only change its orbit about 1%, but that would be enough to push it off its trajectory. And they're still going to take some weeks at least to figure it out if it actually worked. Yeah, exactly. And they had a lot of other telescopes like ground-based observatories and then also the JWST and Hubble Space Telescope keeping an eye on the system as the actual impact occurred. So they're going to have a lot of data about what happened to this little asteroid. You know, let's talk about real-world applications, right? Let's say we see an asteroid coming down the pipeline. This thing was launched 10 months ago, uh, you know, in last November. So there's a lot of planning that needs to go in on this. I mean, if something, you know, an asteroid does uh, seem like it's going to be in our orbit or something like that, how early are we going to be able to tell that it could be on a collision course with Earth? I mean, I think the earlier the better with this kind of thing. But also, like, NASA is able to, just from sort of um, not just NASA, but other other space agencies and institutions are able to, from just a couple of sort of measurements of an orbit of an asteroid, be able to extrapolate out the future orbits of these 
space rocks, right. comets, they really are able to do some incredible calculations, like out to, you know, 100 years <laughs> to know whether these space rocks so could. We'll, so we'll have plenty of advance notice if something crazy is going to be happening. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah hopefully. What's going on right now is that, uh, you know, obviously NASA and Congress, they are taking this these asteroid threats seriously. There was kind of a, a program to uh, set up a new telescope to keep a better eye on these types of things. But there's been some issues with it, with not getting as much funding or, or not as much money in the budget recently. What are we seeing as kind of the future of these types of programs? Yeah, that's right. So this one telescope called Neo Surveyor is uh, an infrared telescope that is actually supposed to be in space. And it's what scientists say that we need in order to find the rest of kind of the dangerous space rocks that we don't you know, know about yet. And basically, the entire scientific community is behind it. Congress is behind it, has bipartisan support, except in the most recent NASA budget, it actually was defunded by $130 million, which led to, has already led to layoffs on the team, building the telescope and responsible for it, and is going to cause a replan in the entire telescope. And it's also resulted in a delay of two years to this telescope. And it's not clear exactly why that budget was reduced so much, but I think a lot of folks in the community are pretty disappointed that it's not going to get the launch yeah. when, when they were hoping for it. These types of things, at least these telescopes, are a little more important than ever as we kind of see these other companies start launching a lot of satellites. So there's a lot more clutter in space. It's harder to detect certain things. You know, we're looking at companies like uh, SpaceX and OneWeb. And so these satellites start posing more of a problem when we're looking at the grand picture of space. Yeah, that's right. Ground-based observatories really are crucial to looking for these asteroids and comets. And one of the times of day that they are, are most used is sort of twilight and at dusk. And that's also when satellites like Starlink are most visible. So having these large surveys of the sky are really important to be able to find these faint space rocks. But they're also potentially being impacted by these mega constellations that are being built. So it's even more important than ever, like you said, to have a telescope in space that's dedicated to doing this kind of work. Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. If there was a difference between vaccinated individuals and unvaccinated individuals, where vaccinated individuals did have changed menstrual cycle length after their first vaccine. Joining us now is Amanda Morris, disability reporter on the Washington Post well-being team. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Well, shortly after the coronavirus vaccines started rolling out, there was a lot of women going out on social media saying that it was affecting their menstrual cycles. There wasn't much research at the time. Things were barely being rolled out. And, you know, as you know, these things take time to develop, to notice the patterns and all that stuff. A lot of it was just anecdotal at the time. But now we've got some numbers to this. There was a study of nearly 20,000 people around the world that were logging their cycles on a, an app, a period tracking app called Natural Cycles. And it seems that they might have been right. It seems like, you know, after being vaccinated, their cycles were maybe delayed as, by as much of a, as a day. So, Amanda, what are we seeing with all this? The one day delay that we saw in this data is an average. So there were some women who experienced and, and some people in the study who experienced a delay of eight days or more. There were some people who didn't experience a delay, but they experienced a different change in their menstrual cycle where their menstrual cycle was actually shorter, not longer than usual. It's important to remember that this is an average and not reflective of the range of experiences, but the data does still show that there was a difference between vaccinated individuals and unvaccinated individuals where vaccinated individuals did have changed menstrual cycle length after their first vaccine. There was 20,000 people, their information that they looked at, but they bounced this across people that weren't vaccinated and whatnot. And, and so just tell me how, how they came to the conclusion. Yeah. So researchers used data from that app that you mentioned, and they looked at three menstrual cycles before somebody got vaccinated, along with one after they got vaccinated. And then they compared that with four cycles in people who had not gotten vaccinated. And they used the data to compare those two groups. It's interesting because this study builds upon a previous study in that it looks at worldwide data. So it actually looks at a lot of different vaccines and it didn't find any significant differences among each of the vaccines. Now, one of the things that's important to note is that it does seem that whatever the changes the the vaccine might have caused, it was temporary. And they think they say that there was no impact on fertility. Yeah. So the researchers said this is all very reassuring and it should be validating for women who did experience this type of change to know that this is kind of expected and normal. The researcher I talked to said that there's no explanation for why this happens right now, but there's some theories that the reproductive cycle is connected to the immune system. And so a strong immune system response to a vaccine might cause fluctuation in a menstrual cycle. And that's completely expected and normal. It's also interesting that this study is 
only looking at menstrual cycle length, but there were a lot of women who reported other types of side effects, such as heavier bleeding or more painful cramps and things like that. So we still need more research on that, but the same researcher who did this study was involved with another study that's going under peer review at the moment that did show that getting vaccinated slightly increased the risk of heavier bleeding during somebody's yeah. period. There was a specific person who said that she was using an IUD and hadn't had her period for over three years, and the shot actually made her get her period, which is kind of a, a weird little thing going on. In a large survey that was conducted by anthropologists of people who menstruate, they found that there was a significant number of people reporting breakthrough bleeding or spotting, even if they were postmenopausal on a long-term hormonal contraceptive or were on perhaps some sort of blocker because they might have been transgender. And that is something that really needs to be studied more. There's a lot more research to do in this realm. I think this data starts explaining things and starts putting parameters on what to expect. But the women and the people that I talked to said that they would love to have more information about the impact that vaccines can have on a period. For a lot of people out there, right, worries can start piling up about maybe an unplanned pregnancy, an illness, things like that. You know, for some people that you spoke to even said, you know, this put a a bad taste in their mouth. They didn't want to continue getting other vaccinations or, or booster shots or something possibly just because of what it had done. I think the vast majority of people I spoke with said that the benefit of the vaccine did outweigh the impact that it had on their period. A lot of them saw it as like a blip, like, oh, you know, this only happened for one or two months after my vaccine, and then I went back to normal. So they weren't very alarmed by it. But others were a little bit more concerned that this wasn't given to them as a warning or information before they got the vaccine, and they'd just like to see more research done. I also think that it's interesting because the study that came out today also shows that if you got two vaccines within one menstrual cycle, you were more likely to have a more significant disruption to your period. So 13% of people in that group experienced eight days or more of a delay in getting their period, which is quite significant. While medically this isn't necessarily concerning and researchers say that these are all you know, normal things to expect, For an individual, getting your period a week late can be very concerning and it can make you think that there might be something wrong or you might be pregnant. On a personal level, it makes a difference. Amanda Morris, disability reporter on the Washington Post's well-being team. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.